Hi everyone, Wynn Claybaugh here. This next interview features banker-turned-barber Craig the Barber Whiteley. I love Craig's story. He graduated from college and started a financial career, but quickly realized that his passion for haircutting could actually be his career. He went back to school, landed jobs at prestigious salons and barber shops, and quickly grew a devoted Hollywood clientele. His blogs, videos, and social media posts attracted even more followers, as did his Burke Avenue shaving products, which won top honors from Men's Health Magazine for Best Shaving Cream the year the product line launched. Craig's message is so true. You'll never work a day in your life if you love what you do. Listen in and share with your friends then visit masterspodcastclub.com to sign up for our mailing list. And remember, Masters Podcasts are now available on Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, and Spotify Podcasts. Enjoy this Masters Classic interview. Hey everybody, Wynn Claybaugh here. Welcome to this wonderful issue of Masters, and I love this hot topic. It is hot in the beauty industry. It seems like anything to do these days. With men's haircutting and barbering is what people want to hear about, and I'm just so excited to be sitting here. I love it that you call yourself Craig the Barber. <laughs> Craig, I don't even know your last name. Uh, that's, I did that for a reason. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So it's, you're not uh, going to tell me? Here. I will absolutely tell you. Um, it's actually Whiteley is the last name, but one of the biggest reasons why I just chose to remove the last name is because I grew up with uh, so many people destroying the spelling and the pronunciation. So I figured if I was going to use it for anything outside of just, you know, signing uh, my rent check or something like that, I figured <laughs> let's just do something everyone can spell and pronounce right. So right, it's right. Craig the Barber. Craig the Barber. Yes, sir. Well, talk about branding, which we're going to talk about on yeah. this. I mean, that's the perfect thing to do. Yeah, I think you so. Know? Yeah. I, I got to be, you know, win the interviewer. Or win, you know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> that's great. Yeah. Thank you very much. That's yeah. great. Well, again, and we, we, we're going to cover a lot of things here today, sure. but at least our listeners know right up front. And, and by the way, anytime we have somebody on Masters who specializes in something else, uh, certainly does not mean that they don't have a wealth of, of information to share. And so uh, you could have nothing to do with the beauty industry or the barbering industry, and this is going to be a value to you. So I'm giving you a fair warning that you want to... <laughs> You'll love this and you'll enjoy this. And so thanks for being here, Craig. Oh, thanks for having me. Craig the Very Barber. Very excited. Thank you. So I'm, I'm going to read some of this. And then as we kind of read through your, your bio here, we sure. have lots of questions and topics. And I never do this in order. So yeah. we'll just jump all over the place. So, no problem. By the way, actually, this room is kind of quiet. We're in a hotel room in <laughs> what, 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 oh, the Beverly Wilshire Beverly Hotel. Wilshire. This is where they filmed um, Pretty Woman. Pretty Did woman. you know that? Yeah. Yes. 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 That's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah it's, 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 I visited it when, when I first uh, toured California. You know, Los Angeles, this is where I visited. I usually try to get a hotel room in some fabulous city and then find out who's close by, and th this is what worked out. Awesome. I'm going to get Craig the Barber at the Pretty Woman Hotel. <laughs> so this is cool. So, so Craig, uh, so I'm reading here, CEO of the Grooming Concierge mm -hmm. and owner, editor-in-chief of the Men's Room. So it's a, a website that mm -hmm. people can go to, mm -hmm. and they get all kinds of information. Like you have something called Quick and Classic Shaving Tips. Mm -hmm. It's not just in in hair care, but it's in skin care as well. Right. Is that geared more towards uh, consumers, or do you have a lot of industry people that go to there for 
you know, resources to better service their male customers as well? Yeah. Actually, I decided to create basically something virtual online for everyone to take advantage of, whether it be someone in the industry themselves or consumers that are just, you know, a lot of guys, what I, what I notice is a lot of guys have a very difficult time traversing the grooming industry when it comes to products and things that they really want to use on their skin, on their hair. And so I figured why not help them navigate through so many of these products that are out on the market. And in the same process, equip my fellow barbers and my fellow hairstylists with opportunities to be able to educate their male consumers. And Mm -hmm. so I just kind of basically put it together as this huge resource or encyclopedia of opportunities for education on both fronts. So... If I go to that website, what am I going to find? Am I going to find educational videos? Am I going to find a blog? Am I going to find where people are posting their information? Or what what will we find there? Well, basically, you'll find a ton of my articles that I personally wrote, uh, tips, advice on um, hair products, on skincare, on shaving, on hair styling. Um, I also have videos on my YouTube channel, um, Craig the Barber's YouTube channel, which has tons of tips on grooming. The website also provides that as well, certain, uh, webs- certain videos that I've added to that site. So basically, you just go in the search box and type in, for example, ingrown hairs, and I'll have several topics on ingrown hairs, why you get them, how to avoid them. Same thing with, you know, one of the articles that people like to enjoy is the right side of part of your hair. You know, it's a very popular style currently. Uh, a lot of people are going back to the 1950s, 60s, and 70s, classic haircuts. And a lot of guys come to me and they're confused, which side should I part my hair? And so just wrote a simple article on how to figure that out. And, um, you know, pomade or paste, you know, all of these topics that are guys just don't really know where to go and where to get the resource. Why not better uh, get it from someone that's in the industry, their barber, their local barber. Basically, I consider myself your local virtual barber. Right. You know, I might not be in your town, but you can just go online and get the same advice I share to my customers. Do you sell stuff on, on the website? I sell ad space and I have entertained a store. And I'm in the process of putting together a little store on the site that's going to provide uh, a few of the products that I enjoy that I um, put a stamp on. And then I'll you know, have the consumer be able to purchase that as well. Well, good for you. Yeah, thank you. And how long have you had that website? Uh, it's been, s- whoa, since 2009. Okay. So what's that, six years, almost coming up in six uh-huh. years. So, um, yeah, I have over 600 articles on that website. And I didn't realize that until earlier this year that I wrote that many. So... It's a ton of uh, ton of information on there. Ton of information. So go back. You know, at, at what point? How long have you been in the industry? I've been in the industry almost ten years. Okay. Um, I've been cutting hair since I was fourteen, and I'm 36 now. So I've been cutting hair for quite some time. I was professionally in the corporate world for quite some time. I was in IT and and banking, and I chose. I don't to, see you in IT and in banking. No, so. I, <laughs> did, I don't. I didn't see it either. <laughs> And I, I left it. I just wasn't happy with that direction of my life, and I decided to follow my passion. And this is what I've done since I was 14 years old, cutting my friend's hair. When I was in college, I cut hair to make a little extra money. Even when I got into the corporate world, I uh, cut hair on the side. Um, yeah. And I didn't do it on a professional license level because I didn't have time to go to school. So when that opportunity came, I just decided just to leave it all and really pursue this. And I actually am licensed in both cosmetology and barbering. And I chose that specifically because I know that growing up, I learned a very specific way to cut hair, self-taught. 
and I knew that I needed to get greater skills outside of the scope of the hairstyles that I knew and the hair textures. So I chose cosmetology school specifically to learn the long hairstyles and learn the uh, the angles that are necessary to shape the haircut and things of that nature. And then I finished off with barbering school to fine tune my straight shaving uh, techniques. Now you were already were you married when you went to school? Yes. Okay, so you were married, yes, probably still working a corporate job. So uh-huh. all was all your training at night, or how did you pull that off? Actually, to be quite honest, um, we just did it cold turkey. I left my job 100%. My wife and I sat down and looked at the books and said, "All right, we could, we could do this." And uh, figured the the quickest way to do it was to go full time. Right. And I chose a school in Atlanta, Georgia, mm-hmm. uh, Beta Institute, and they. At that point, they were only full-time. And so I went to that school, and I pretty much finished off at that school, and then we moved to California. My wife supported me through that entire process. She was my biggest fan when everyone else was looking at me like, are you crazy? You got degrees. You left a great banking job to do what? Mm -hmm. Um, And so she was pretty much the, the only cheerleader I had for a really long time. And we made it through. We made it through. We moved to California. She and I thought that um, it would be a great place for me to grow in the industry, and we loved California when we visited it. So it was an even better excuse to come on this side. And we've been here for almost nine years now. When you started, did you start back then, even before school, Mm -hmm. with the intention that you're going to create your own name, create your own brand, you know, take it to that level, or did this kind of evolve, especially, and I want to get into at what point you decided that you were going to just specialize in men. Sure. Good question. I actually did not have any intention to go this direction at all. The mensroom.com, funny enough, is the website that I chose in 2002, or 2003, I believe, I purchased it online, and it was the goal to open up a barbershop. Right. Called themensroom.com or the men's room. Right. And so I purchased that. I can't believe that that website was available. It was. Oh my I, gosh. We couldn't what, believe it's it either. It's a great name, we man. We jumped on it as quick wow. as we could, bought it, and I just sat on it. And um, when I started getting into the business, I was basically going into the business not to start a barbershop immediately. I went in for research. And I figured the best way to run a barbershop concept was to learn how a barbershop really works, the ins and outs. And through the process, I realized that, it, that my vision of a barbershop, this huge idea that I had of a barbershop was, um, I just didn't think it was going to be realistic for me, especially with my patience, as well as being this perfectionist. I just didn't think I was going to be able to juggle multiple people in a particular shop to run the way mean, I wanted. What do you mean your patience? Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I just, um, you know, I strive, and sometimes it's at a fault, but I strive for perfection in everything I do. And if I was going to put my name on something and uh, run it the way I wanted and I needed multiple barbers in this space and everything else, I needed them to be at a certain level. And I just didn't feel that I would have the patience to wait until I could get the right crop right. to do that. So through the years of me researching and looking at barbershops and how they work and how they don't work, my barbershop idea shrunk to... An idea now where it's just a really small, quaint location where it's probably just me and another guy that I've worked with for a long time. Something like that. Some idea like that. Right. So the men's room ended up being a blog. And the men's room ended up being a blog because I had an opportunity to start doing consulting with men's grooming lines and 
getting a ton of uh, questions all the time, constantly from my customers and my clients. And I figured, you know, why not create a way to educate not just my customers, but more? Because I felt that, you know, I, I have something to share. And if I could only help, you know, 10, 15 guys on a day, why not see if I can help 10,000, maybe 10 million guys on a day if they have the same resource that I'm sharing here? And I just, I've always been that way. You know, if I know something, if I have something that could help someone, why not offer it? Mm-hmm. You know, it's not hurting me anything. It's helping, you know. And so that's where the men's room came from. I said, oh, well, let me just put a whole bunch of things that a barber should know and a barber could provide for uh, their customers. Well, just so our listeners know, I mean, uh, it's, it's not just the everyday guy who is coming to your website for information. Uh, you're also been an uh, on-site grooming expert at Diddy's annual 4th of July white party uh-huh. uh, for, for Michael Jordan's celebrity golf tournament. <laughs> you know, so uh, you've been featured in Men's Health, Details, Nylon Magazine, The Style Network, MTV, Martha Stewart, Living Radio. So it's <laughs> obviously it's expanded. You've yeah. really built this brand in such a – I mean, 10 years is pretty short. Yes, it is. Which is kind of interesting because uh, a lot of young people in the industry, oh, they want to do it in a year. You know, right. within, within a year, they want to have their name famous in the lights and, and doing uh, Diddy's hair. Right, you know? exactly. Yeah, and I think you know um, what was able to keep me at peace with um, leaving the banking business to doing what I'm currently doing now is that uh, when you do something you love, the money will come. And when you're passionate about it, opportunities will find you. And um, I think that I didn't go out at all with this vision of where I was going to be, that I was even going to be a Craig the Barber or anything of that nature. I just went in to just really share and really um, be passionate about something that I wanted to do. And, you know, one of the biggest challenges that I had when I left the banking business to become a barber, uh, at one point in time, I really struggled with people asking me, oh, what do you do? I struggle with that because I grew up all my life. Oh, you have to go to school. You have to be this doctor, this lawyer, this blah, blah, blah. You have to be successful in X, Y, Z. And, you know, along the line, there was never any category of, oh, you should be this barber or you should be this hairstylist or you should be whoever. And so in my mind, I was somewhat ashamed that I left this corporate world with a title to become what people would look at as this lowly barber, so to speak. And so... For a long time, I said that uh, people would ask me who, what I did, and I would just kind of casually say, oh, I'm a barber. And before you know it, I, my wife noticed that I was a little bit ashamed about it or just really embarrassed about it because then the next person's reaction would be, oh, oh, okay, so uh, what are we having for dinner tonight? Right, you know, right. it was nothing else. And so my wife decided this to uh, help me and say – Slap you around a, a little bit. <laughs> no, not only that, but she, she would help me in, in the conversation and say, oh, he's a banker turned barber. And then that created such an amazing conversation about following your dream and following your passion. Wow. And so when I saw that, I said, oh, man, I could, I could share this. I could share this and I could have the confidence in telling people that, you know what, don't be afraid to follow your dreams, follow your passions. And so that's what I've been able to keep in my heart. And with that, you know, these opportunities have come my way with the ability to continue to share, you know, the momentum I need to share who I am and why I am. You know, and that, it's interesting what you were talking about. How, 
I mean, as human beings, we are so multifaceted. Right. You and I had a 30-minute conversation before we started recording, showing uh, pictures of our kids yes. to each other. And, Absolutely. I mean, we're so multifaceted. We could be, you know, wonderful, you know, sons and daughters. We can be incredible siblings. We mm-hmm. could volunteer every weekend. Mm-hmm. But the first question somebody asks is, "What do you do?" Right. Like as if that. That what you do you. for a living defines yeah. who you are and yeah. is the most important question mm-hmm. that somebody could ask. And yeah. It's it's and it's actually um it's it's tough for the average person to um live up to something like that if they want to do something that's out of the norm, you know, and you feel that uh, you have to be in this box. And you know, innovative and dynamic people don't stay in a box. And I think a lot of people need to take notice of the fact that, you know, a lot of these questions that people are programmed to ask you are just blocking you in, boxing you in. And, mm-hmm. you know, just ignore that. Ignore mm-hmm. that and follow what you want to do. And don't worry about what do you do, because what do you do doesn't define you. And what do you do is going to make you happy and no one else. And if you're happy, it doesn't really matter what everyone else is thinking. I like the fact that you reinvented what your response is to that question, though, right. which then creates a beautiful conversation. Yeah. It does. It does. That's going to benefit the, the person asking the question. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And you know what? At the end of the day, you know, barbering is a very satisfying job. It's a very fulfilling job. It's a great career to be in. And, um, you know, when you look at all of the people that you can aspire to be, for example, who you want to be, who do you want to be like? I want to just be this cop or this lawyer. Or I want to be Tiger Woods or I want to be, you know, the next Michael Jordan, whoever it may be. If if I can leave any small stamp in this field, why not have a kid say, you know, I want to be a barber and have the parents look and say, well, there's that one guy, Craig the Barber out there. Go ahead and do it, son. If that's what it takes yeah. for them to be able to take away that negative connotation to what a barber may be sometimes, mm-hmm. depending on the neighborhood, you know, if that's what it takes where you can see this guy, you know, really helping the industry, mm-hmm. then go ahead. If that's what you need to convince anyone else around you, yeah. I want to be a barber, like Craig the Barber. Yeah. Sure, why you make not? It, you make it legitimate. Exactly. Huh. Why not? You know. You said something earlier about, um, well, you said that you're a, a perfectionist and, yes. and uh, you like to, uh, but then you were also talking about how how you make money is you, you put your passion out mm-hmm. there and if you just follow your passion, follow your heart, follow your bliss, then the money's going to follow. Absolutely. And uh, I think a lot of people, they're not perfectionists mm-hmm. or what they try to put out there is not their best, but yet they expect the universe to reward them financially for it. Right. They're not really putting their passion out there. They're mm-hmm. not really fine-tuning their skills to make it the best that it can be, but mm-hmm. then they expect to be paid for it. Right. Yeah, and you know, um, we have a, a – it's, it's very difficult for us, I think, in this, this culture, I guess you'd say, is, you know, it's, it's a lot of things in this culture are money-driven. You judge or determine your success or someone can look at your success based on what you've accomplished financially or what you're driving, what you're wearing. And I think that really hurts the growth of what you can be and who you can be because you're so focused on um, not putting your best foot forward in your passion. You're putting your best foot forward in something that's fleeting, you know, and I think that when you're passionate about something, you will spend all night working on it to make it right. You, you And you're not spending all night because you're toiling. You're spending all night because you love it. Yeah. And then when you do that, that's when it produces exactly what it's supposed to produce. But yeah. when you're chasing something that you're not passionate about or you're passionate about it in the wrong way, for example, you know, you're chasing money or you're chasing fame, all of those things 
are fleeting. All of those things, they can't necessarily leave something that is everlasting. You know, a lot of those things just basically just go away. But if you stick to a passion, if you, then you can leave a stamp and then you would enjoy it so much more. And that's when you'll see things open up for you because it's in you and it's there and you'll spend all day doing it. Mm. And at the end of the day, when you finally realize, oh, I'm, I'm making money doing this, and you're just like, wait a second, I get paid for this? Yeah. I get money doing this? I love this. And it's when you finally do something that you love and enjoy it, you'll never work again. Mm. And that's just the bottom line. Mm. Um, and I think a lot of people, if they take that approach... It'll be a lot easier to brush off all of the naysayers and the people that are saying, oh, you shouldn't do this, or you should that, you should do this. No, don't worry about it. I'll, uh, you stay focused on what you want to do, and you'll be much happier than the guy that's just, or the woman that's just chasing that extra dollar, just chasing that fancier car, or chasing that bigger house. You know, that at the end of the day is only going to create more of a stress and frustration as opposed to if you chase that passion, that's what's more important. You know, at, at the end of the day, you, you've used two words that I like, uh, chasing it and attracting it. Right. Chasing versus attracting. Mm -hmm. And uh, the whole meaning of the word attractive means things come to you. Right. You know, a magnet attracts things to yeah, it. It's exactly. not like the magnet has to sit there and try to look pretty and right. I'm going to go after that. No, right. things come to the things magnet. Things come to the magnet. And, exactly. and you're the magnet. So when you are attractive, things will want to come to you. Absolutely. Opportunities come, money comes, great yeah. relationships. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and it's so much easier when you're staying in that space. You're not working that hard at it. It's just something that you just love so much to do. Okay, let's. I'm gonna jump all over the place here. Talk talk about your technique because uh, I read sure. in your bio you said your your classic approach of straight razors and shears uh, mm -hmm. has earned you a strong following. Just mm -hmm. so just. Now, granted, not that I'm going to understand what you're talking about because, uh, that's all right. uh, you know, you know me. <laughs> and the only haircut I know how to do is that one you're looking at right now. Nice. I know. That's awesome. No uh, worries. Okay. Well, you know, when I came into the business, one of the biggest challenges that I uh, faced initially was how do I separate myself from every other barber on the street corner? Well, so at what point did you decide that you were not going to do women's? Oh, Wow. Clients and it's a good question. When I was at the Veda Institute, obviously it's more of a female-oriented um, population that comes, clientele that comes in. And I really enjoyed doing their hair, cutting their hair. But when I was in school, this was during a time where long hair was a big thing. Long layers and color and all that fancy stuff. And the one thing I really did not enjoy doing was blow-drying. And I remember giving a really awesome long-layered haircut. But then looking at that hair and saying, now I'm going to spend the next hour blow-drying this out. And so I just kind of fast-forwarded through the next couple of years, and I was thinking to myself, am I ever going to enjoy this aspect of uh, the slum business? And also, you know, the conversation was different when I had a guy in a chair as opposed to a woman in a chair. And, you know, barbers and stylists, we're all therapists. But then, you know, even therapists choose their clients. And so it just came up, it came to a point where I said, you know, I just, this blow dry is taking an hour long. And I told this young lady to leave that guy a month ago. And <laughs> so I just figured, you know, if I could hang with a guy, I won't be blow drying their hair for an hour. And we'll probably, if I say, hey, you know, you should dump that girl, he probably will the same day. You know, and so it's just a different relationship. And so I just figured, you know, why not um, hang with the guys and let me be a guy 
and just have the great conversations that guys have. I've never heard anybody explain it that way before. <laughs> that's, that's that's what it, that's great. Okay. <laughs> hey, that's just the way I had to look at it. And and you know what? To be quite honest, if I was to be truly honest with myself on my pursuit of barbering versus hairstyling, there was a point in time where I looked at hairstyling as being far more profitable than barbering. Okay. And I would have to say that going that direction was putting me in the same hole that I was in when I was in the banking business, chasing that dollar. Oh, chasing that dollar. And so I decided that, you know what, above all else, I think that five years down the road, not only am I going to be miserable with other aspects of it, but I'm going to be chasing the money that's not going to be fulfilling to me. Right. So why not go the route where I love it and appreciate it? And then see what happens. Okay, well, I have to ask the question now. Sure. So, money-wise, mm-hmm. how has it worked out? I, I, I do well. I do well. <laughs> I am very happy with what I do. And um, can I say that uh, I, I would have to say that I'm doing just as well as when I was in the banking business, okay. if not better. And the reason why I say it's if not better is because my um, daily life, the way I just live my life is so much less stressful. Mm-hmm. You know, my biggest concern on a daily basis is just making sure I can get to my client on time and making sure my family is 100% happy and not in that order. You know, I'm making sure my family's happy, being a good leader, being a good father, being a good believer, and just really just, you know, 100% just doing my thing. And it's just so easy to do that when you're not worried about someone else's money. And at the end of the day, I'm doing what I always wanted to do. Mm. And, you know, I get emails all the time. Hey, Craig, can you help me with this article that we want to post about, you know, such and such hairstyles or this new trend? Um, Hey, can you help me with this issue of my ingrown hairs and things of that nature? I could do it all day. You know, I could do that all day because I'm giving back. I'm training. I'm educating, you know. And one more person that knows how to shave their face without getting the irritation that everyone hates is one extra person that's just happier going out dressed up, you know, with their wife, their girlfriend, or whoever it may be, feeling confident in how they look. You right. know? Um, by the way, today is Craig's ah. son's two-year birthday. Yes. So yes, Isaac. Yes. So Isaac, he's so two Craig, years old. Craig's, today. Craig's a good family man too. Yes, so. love my family, love my wife, and um, you know that's 100% most important. Mm. You know, and I do this all for them. Mm. So, so how how long was the uh, the sacrifice? <laughs> You know, the, what do you mean? Well, your wife supported you through oh. leaving that career, getting in this, and it was. Uh, Whoa! And I like these questions because, yeah. again, a lot of people think, "Oh, it's, it's going to happen overnight for me." Yeah. No, it's not. No, it's not. But I, but the good news is, like you, what you've been saying all along is, even though there is sacrifice and compromise and struggle, mm-hmm. it can be enjoyable. It, it can, can be. It's fun. It can, yeah. It's an adventure. Yeah. It's not like the the fun happens when the money hits. Right. No, the fun can happen when you're trying to figure out how to pay rent this month. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, and we had a. A handful of ups and downs. A handful of ups and downs. My wife uh, supported me from 2005 or six, somewhere around there. I, you know, when you're first starting out, it's not that easy to get the clients, and you have to work at it, and you're working these sometimes long hours, just waiting for that one customer to come in at 5:30 because he couldn't make it earlier, and. Multiple, multiple years. I mean, we really didn't get to a place where I could help her more than she could help me. 
until my son actually, until my wife was pregnant. Um, my wife was able to stay home. It's unheard of, but my wife was able to stay home for 18 months. Mm. You know, most women would really like to stay home as long as they can. And, you know, the average time that they give for moms or what? Six weeks. Six maybe, weeks. If they're lucky, yeah. Yeah, if they're lucky. Yeah. And, you know, I was able to, thank God, be able to, you know, provide that length of time. And it was mm. so awesome. Yeah. I even took a paternity leave. To be quite honest, cool. I took a few months off and we just hung out. I mean, how often do you hear of a guy taking paternity leave? That's so rare, you uh -huh. know, and uh, that's what I did. Another well. blessing of the industry. It is. Uh -huh. It is. Okay, let's get to the technical side of it. Sure. The, the, you know, so where does your approach come from? Mm -hmm. and, and we'll also need to know about your ongoing training. And, yeah, sure. Know, so, okay. Okay. Well, where did my uh, approach come from? Let's start with the shaving category. Obviously, it takes many, 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 many years to really fine-tune the straight razor technique. Um, and that is based on just consistently shaving multiple people's, multiple men's faces. Because everyone's beard grows differently, everyone's face handles the razor differently. And so basically a lot of it was trial and error. But I did learn from a really good uh, barber many, many years ago on a few techniques on how to properly get a light hand. The lighter the hand, the more you give the razor the opportunity to do what it's supposed to do. And so my focus... Um, it's a little different for most barbers because most barbers, when they do do a straight razor shave, they immediately go with the grain, relather, and shave against the grain. And what I've realized is a lot of men's faces cannot handle against the grain. So what I decided to do is stick specifically with width and across the grain and then spot shaving against the grain. And that sounds like a bunch of gibberish and a bunch of uh, unknown information, but here's the easiest way to understand it. When your hair grows downward, if you're shaving downward with the hair, basically you're cutting the hair at in a direction it's supposed to be supposed to go, and you're not irritating the skin's surface because uh, when you're shaving against the grain, you're actually pulling the hair in the opposite direction, and it can tug on the skin. You can get um, shorten the hair short enough where it gets ingrown hairs. Your skin can burn. So going with the grain is the ideal way to shave. When you relather, the reason why you're relathering is because you probably want to get a little bit closer. Mm -hmm. A lot of guys go against the grain, and that's something that you're your skin can't handle it. So going across the grain basically cuts it in a different direction, that much closer, but keeps the hair above the skin line. And so basically that's just the way I decided to shave every one of my customers because I wanted to guarantee that they not only get the most nostalgic, the most luxurious shave possible, but I want them to be able to, to go home and say, wow, I have zero irritation. And um, that's the most important part because you're using such a sharp blade and you want to make sure that this person is getting the best experience possible. And, you know, when you're shaving someone and you're manipulating their skin well enough and they can have a shave with me and then not have to shave for two days. And that's a big deal. And so that's the route that I go, which is a little bit unorthodox for the average barber training instruction because it's usually with and then across the grain. Mm -hmm. And I'm sorry, then against. And I choose to go across and spot shave against. Um, and I've created a really good following with that because it's different from the average barber, as well as, you know, it's just the proper way to take care of the skin being very cautious. So walk us through an average client of yours. Sure. Are you doing a, a shave 10% of the time that you're doing a haircut, 100% of the time they get a haircut and a shave? I mean, you know, walk us through that. It varies. I would say that if I was to put a percentage on the number of shaves that I do versus haircuts, I would say it's about... Uh, 55, 45, um, 55 being haircut still, um, 45 because it's still a very, um, it's a luxury. 
Right. It's a luxury for most guys. And what I do is I always equip all of my customers with the proper way to shave at home. Because a lot of times, you know, you can't make it to the barbershop, nor do you want to pay that kind of money sometimes for just to shave on a Tuesday. And so I equip them with that. Um, and so basically, if I say see seven guys in a day, I would say three or four of those guys also are getting shaved. So they're getting a haircut and a shave. Absolutely. Or they're just getting a shave. Oh, really? Yeah. Some guys, I have several clients where I am the only one that shaves them. Ever? Ever. So they never shave themselves. No, so they, how often are they in to see you? Two, three uh, times a week? or Sometimes twice a week, sometimes once a week, depending on what their schedule is and if they really right, need right. to shave. Right. Yeah. Do you mind if I ask what you charge for a shave? Only? Yeah, I charge uh, $65 when I'm at the barbershop, and then it could be upwards of $150 when I go to you. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, now I have to ask that question. What percentage of your clients is you going to their house? I mean, you know, we are yeah. in L.A., and I'm sure there's a lot of opportunity yeah. for that here. Uh, I would say that most of my clientele is at the shop, um, but I do do visits four to five times a week. Huh. Yeah, four to five times a week on an average. And is that mostly a celebrity clientele or just a... Everything. Everything. Celebrity, business owners, CEOs, producers, directors, everything. You know, we live in Los Angeles and you have guys that make money in so many different ways that you're so surprised and, you know, their career paths. And so, you know, they hear about me and say, hey, can you shave me at my office? Sure. I'll be there in a little bit, you know, and that's, huh. that's how it works. When you, so when you shave with somebody at, at the office, like what do you have to have with you? <laughs> I have to have a lot of things. Uh, ideally, I have, depending on the office situation, uh, if there's no running water, then I have to bring my own water. Um, so basically, I have this small thermos that has a few warm towels, and then I have a small thermos that has cold water. And then that's the process of me basically giving you a quick shave. It's mostly, it's more of a, a quick barbershop shave as opposed to the shaves that I can give at the shop. Right. Because I have the running water and the hot towel warmers and things of that nature. And so it's somewhat involved to a certain degree, but it's it's really quick. Um, I can use basically their bed. I can use their chair. It's really easy to shave someone once you get them in the right position. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so. And you can you say you don't want to answer this question if you want, but in, in my schools, we don't call them uh, mistakes. We call them discoveries. So <laughs> and just to give you an idea, I actually watched an entire eyebrow we get waxed off once in oh. in one of my schools, and it was a fabulous discovery. That was a fabulous discovery. <laughs> I doubt that the clients ever came back, but oh, the student boy. would never do that again. Ever. So, ever. ever. Great discovery. That's a huge discovery. <laughs> and what was really cool is the learning leader treated it that way. They were yeah. like, wow, what a great discovery you just made. Yeah. I mean, there was no shame or fear or, yeah. or judgment attached to yeah, The poor student was devastated. devastated. <laughs> That's but, a tough one. So, uh, any any uh, discoveries, discoveries while uh, shaving anybody? I haven't had no a dis- no, no ears um, nope. being clipped or. <laughs> I haven't had a discovery in over seven years. Okay, seven years, <laughs> and those are two discoveries. One was just a little nick on it with a, a straight razor, and the other was uh, nick on the ear from a haircut. Oh, yeah, that was. Yeah, okay. Both customers came back, thankfully. Okay, okay, okay. Um, but that was. Uh, yeah, it never happened again. Okay, got it. Okay, <laughs> okay. So get back to us. Uh, like, is is a lot of your training kind of rooted in like old school, or because it seems like there's this uh, pride in you know we're old school barbers right. and we're and so it's it's this is how they were doing it you know 80 years ago. Yeah, or, yeah. I basically tried the very best I could to merge what I personally was self taught into the old school concept. 
And that way I kind of made it basically a way where it's a more modern version of the old school because a lot of old school um, techniques are awesome. They're very nostalgic, but then at least what I've noticed in the barbering trade, a lot of old school techniques stayed old school and never evolved. And so um, a lot of the techniques that they use aren't necessarily the approaches that you can use to accomplish the current hairstyles that a lot of men are wearing. Well, meaning evolved in that products have evolved, and that's why it can be a better shave because of the products that are now mm-hmm. available? Yes, or, absolutely. Okay. The products have evolved. Much better shaving creams are on the market. Much better aftershave bombs are on the market. Much better blades are on the market. Uh, and so it's, it's easier to be able to incorporate your old school techniques with a really good modern approach and the same thing with hair you know the same thing with hair you know i've you know definitely found a way to evolve in the space of uh, my cutting techniques as opposed to being um, able to use all of my tools at my disposal as opposed to sticking with just you know clippers or just shears i merge everything together when it comes to uh, cutting hair so tell me then about your training and ongoing training mm-hmm. with, again, a call to action to our listeners. Sure. Because it's one of those things where, wow, barbering's hot these days. I'm going to go take a, a weekend course on shaving, and, and now, bam, I'm a barber. Right. Well, you know, it's it, it's not that easy, especially in the field of barbering when it comes to shaving. That's just something that a, a guy that's received a really awesome shave by a barber somewhere already has a standard of what that's supposed to feel like and your goal is to either equal that standard or be even better and you're not going to be able to learn that in two days Uh, it's all 100 percent practice every year that i've shaved i've gotten better Um, and so it's very important that practice is very key but it's also important to take notice of the ability to recognize that there's still room to grow and recognize and learn everyone's face and be able to spot certain aspects of a gentleman's face that you can take notice of and say, okay, if I shave this guy this particular direction, he might get irritated in that area. And so that's just studying that technique. And that's there, unfortunately, is not at this point any continuing education courses for the shaving space. However, if you are educated with just some key things to take notice of, then you yourself can help yourself to advance because you're the only one. You're the only one shaving um, that person. And so if you're taking notice of, okay, I did that stroke, that looks like it's going to get irritated. I won't do that again. And the reason why I won't do that again, or the reason why that guy was irritated, is because of X, Y, and Z. Right. And so that's the education portion on why it's very important to learn in every shave, learn every single aspect of that person's face, and learn every stroke and then um, see what the end result is on each person. Can you volunteer, say, for example, at a barber school, or can you take a few customers just, or call a couple people up and say, hey, I have a pretty empty day-to-day. Can you come in? I want to practice my shaving. Absolutely, you should do that. Um, I know that I did that to make sure that I can bring my shaving techniques to another level. Well, I'm trying to think of... How many people could call me and say, "When I have a straight razor in my hand, I'd like to practice on you." So, oh, yeah, that's, yeah, that's that's a tough one. Okay, okay, <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. Okay. So, what other resources can you give our listeners about not just in shaving, but okay. men, men's grooming, mm-hmm. men's haircutting? Where do they need to go, and how often do they need to go? And yeah, I think you should always be learning. I dedicate myself to always 
reading some form of resource when it comes to um, hair trends, hairstyles. You know, I look in a lot of ads, especially in these, um, you know, the men's health, the details, a lot of the foreign magazines that you can get at. Uh, at um, what do you mean you study the ads? I study ads because basically these are the trends that are coming. So you're looking at the model. I'm looking and, at the hair. And you're, you're, and I'm you're pulling up. out the pages. And what I noticed is the United States doesn't really, at least in the men's space, we don't adopt a hairstyle until two to three years after Europe usually um, are there doing the style. And so I jump immediately to those magazines and I look to those haircuts. European magazines. European magazines. I noticed that. You have subscriptions to them and so they're, you're, you're constantly yeah. on top of it. Absolutely. So and I'm studying Again, those. That's, that's the great advice our listeners need. Yeah. You yeah. want to stay on top of it, you need to be receiving these monthly yeah. in your mailbox. Yeah. And yeah. start practicing those haircuts because yeah. they're coming. They're right. coming. And the better you can get at them is the easier it's going to be when two years down the road when such and such shows you this picture, oh, I know how to do that. And it's not a practice at that point. Mm -hmm. you know. Um, I remember one time I asked a question. I put it on my social media page or YouTube or Facebook. I, I might have been, actually might have been Twitter or something. I said to them, so many classic hairstyles coming out nowadays and really good work out there. But I'm wondering, what are you equipping yourself for for the next potential style? Because what's going to happen is these classic hairstyles will disappear in the next few years and then something else will come on. And are you preparing for that or are you just mastering that one haircut mm -hmm. for right now? Like are you uh, against certain techniques or against certain tools? You know, like some people, they, they're against razor over comb or whatever. You know, they, it's only shears over comb or whatever. I mean, do you have any... Uh, nope. Advice or input on that? Nope. Uh, I think the bottom line for me is... The goal in how I approach cutting hair is what is this haircut going to look like in two weeks? Okay. If you have all of these tools to your disposal and you can deliver the haircut that person is asking for and it looks great in two weeks, in three weeks, still, you did a good job. And that's just the way I look at it. I want to make sure that I want to be 100% concerned on how this haircut is going to grow out. Right. And if you want to use a razor over comb or a clipper over comb or a scissor over comb, go for it. If it's mm -hmm. going to look great. It's an art. And everyone can paint the Mona Lisa and it'll look like the Mona Lisa, but it you've probably used different approaches. And right. so the bottom line is you go for it. Whatever works for you as long as you're delivering what looks good to the customer, mm. in my opinion. Again, because you're trained in both cosmetology and in men's, like when you're out there in public and you're walking the streets and everything, are you more aghast at what you see on men's haircutting than in women's haircutting? Uh, I have an eye for both, right. but because I want to study it as much as I can, I'm looking at a lot more men's haircuts. But awesomely enough, I can spot a, some challenges in certain women's hairstyles as well. Like, ooh, mm. that whole section was cut wrong, um, something like that. But um, I do focus on a lot of guys. And because of the styles that are out now, I look at that a lot. And I there's a lot of poor follow-through with a lot of the haircutting. That's, it's like they're, a lot of haircuts, are they're being done, but they're just not being finished so off. What's the, so, yeah, tell us the mistakes. And I'm not giving uh, out yeah, your sure. address, so nobody's going to... Oh, yeah. They, they, don't, they, they don't know how to find you, so <laughs> speak, awesome. speak the truth here. Well, you know, I, I see, you know, you have a lot of high and tight, really classic hairstyles that are going back to, like, the TV show Boardwalk Empire or Mad Men. 
you know, and the fading is just not done properly. Or you'll have a nice classic medium length haircut where you didn't take your time to clean behind the ears or taper off the neckline. You know, sometimes you see that the first place that a guy's hair starts to get unruly is behind the ears. Mm -hmm. So because he asked, for example, you know, let's just say for argument's sake, we're using clippers and someone asked for a number two. Uh, number two on the sides, and sure you did a number two on the sides, but maybe the behind the ears needs to be a little shorter because if it all grows at the same length, then that ear is going to become a little bit annoying after a while when that hair starts pricking that ear. So it's the goal of really shaping and fine-tuning the hair. I'm okay with um, the neckline being round or squared, but be more understanding of how high you should go up. You know, basically you should follow the natural um, hairline of the back of the neck. You don't want to start bringing it up where you see you have a longer neck in the back because you cut too much off. Oh, I'm, I'm not a hairdresser, but I see it when you come yeah, you up see, some right? guy in the back. And, and it's they, like, like they way up here. Like, yeah. yeah, I mean, and in two days, it's going to start growing back. And what right, are you going right. to do then, you know? Right. And so it's, it's just basically um, learning how to do a taper instead of doing a square or a round or learning how to really clean around the hair so the guy has plenty more time before he has to come back into a haircut, right. to do a haircut. And I think it, what's really the biggest issue right now is finishing off a haircut. You know, it's kind of like where you are painting a house and then you paint the house, but then you forgot to do the trimmings or you forgot to do the detailing work to make it really look good. Do you find that that's more important or essential in men's haircutting than in women's? Absolutely. Seems like in a woman's haircut, again, I'm speaking so unintelligently right Sorry. now. Seems like in a woman's haircut, you can probably hide a lot of mistakes. Yes. Right? Oh, yeah. But in a men's haircut, absolutely not. Absolutely not. You have very little hair that you're working with with a guy's haircut. Mm -hmm. And the, the mistakes you make should be very, very minimal because it shows immediately. Right. Um, long hair, you could always hide it. Okay. Let's talk about men's facial hair other than... Because you kind of consider yourself to be an expert on adapting face shapes with you know sure. beards and all of that, and I think we need to go into all kinds of where men's hair grows too. Mm -hmm. and <laughs> right. Know what I mean? Because if they're yeah. not, you know, if 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 their barber or their mm -hmm. stylist isn't saying, you know what, hey, we need to take care of the hair going out of your ear Ears, or your nose or whatever, or exactly. Eyebrows. Who else is going to tell yeah, them that? You have to. You have to. Yeah, it's okay, your job. So, yeah. So let's talk about that. Yeah. I mean, uh, it, it all goes back to giving a quality service. And it all goes back to thinking outside of the box. You know, someone comes and sits in your chair and they say, I want a haircut. Okay, sure, I'll give you a haircut, give you a great haircut. But at the end of the day, there's certain aspects of that person's entire grooming that you need to be aware of because you're their barber. You're their person that is there for their grooming needs. Mm -hmm. So if you see hair growing out of the ears, their eyebrows look like caterpillars, he has one eyebrow instead of two, you know, those are things that you need to address because at the end of the day, it's basically... In my opinion, it's an example of what you've been able to create. So mm -hmm. they're your walking billboard. If you don't look good, you can't get a referral because mm -hmm. no one's going to ask that person, oh, you know, who does your hair or who keeps your groom? You always look so nice and clean. You know, no one's going to ask that question if that guy doesn't look as awesome as he can possibly when he gets out of the chair. And so that's important. You know, in this business, you need referrals. In this business, the referrals are way better than, you know, something that you advertise online and things of that nature. So you know? you're you're addressing eyebrows, ears, ears nose, nose, every single every time. Every single thing. Every, every single time. time. I'm always looking for and that. And what percentage of your new clients like are a mess with those items? A lot of them are a mess. And uh, I, I... Like they haven't been able to... They're 40 years old and haven't figured it out on their own. Never. 
Is, I have so many customers. The, they've had women around them. Yep. They've had, and nobody's said, you know, you might want to stick this up your nose yep. and take care of that. None of them. There's so many men that come into my barbershop for the first time, and I'm just thinking, man, who's been cutting your hair? What, what's going on here? You know, why is your eyebrows, why are your eyebrows so bushy? You know, why, why is there so much hair going out of your ears or your nose? You know, and it needs to, I don't understand why that's the case, but that's something that's just so much part of just the detailing of your your service, you know. And what percentage of your male clients are, are open to that and grateful for the input? Are some like, no, leave it alone, it's fine? Or are uh, the majority of them like, thank you and take care of it? 96% of my customers are very appreciative. Right. I always get a small number that says, no, I like my eyebrows like that. Or they're afraid that, oh, if you cut my eyebrows, they'll grow back more, which is a myth. What? Uh, I've yeah. never heard of that myth. Really? Yeah, they say that all the time. Oh, if you trim my eyebrows, they come back thicker. No, they they won't. I promise. <laughs> they, they won't grow any thicker than what they If you don't believe are. me, I can have my student just wax the whole right, thing Right, exactly. And let's watch. <laughs> exactly. Let's exactly. So. <laughs> Sorry. Gosh. That's awesome. Okay. <laughs> Okay, so so give us more input about that on again uh, styling beards yeah. to, to men's face shapes sure. and 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 addressing all of that stuff. Yeah. So the ideal um, face shape for most men is uh, the squared face shape. Um, it's the most desirable face shape when you look for models. Sometimes oval as well, but traditionally for men it's a squared face shape, very symmetrical, very hard lines, very um, sharp jaws. And so basically when you are not that chiseled face, for example, and you might have an oblong face shape or a round face, the goal is to still style your hair and style your beard to accomplish that same squared face. Mm -hmm. So if you have a full beard, the opportunity for a barber to really square off your face is awesome mm -hmm. if you want to wear your beard the same way in the haircut. And it's very important to focus on achieving or accomplishing that because at the end of the day, it's really going to give that person that symmetrical um, look that they're looking for to, you know, to deliver the confidence that they really want. And you want to highlight their attributes, you know. And so if they have a unpronounced chin, then, you know, you'll use that beard in a way where you can create a chin for him. Or um, if that person has a very long, oblong face, and you can use that beard and style the beard where you can shorten his face in the same way with using um, certain hairstyles. You can create certain hairstyles to shorten an oblong face shape or to lengthen a very round face to give that person um, the appearance of looking slimmer. Mm -hmm. And so there's so much work you could do with a beard shape and, and hairstyles that are um, only deliver an opportunity for you to have a great looking product when you're done and have a happy customer and then create greater uh, reward when it comes to referrals. Hmm. And how much is uh, skin care a part of the consultation or even selling product yeah, it's huge. You know, that you do? I There's never a customer that comes into my shop that I do not address in some way, shape, or form. Um, the dryness in their hair, the dryness in their skin, some something to leave them with, some nugget. There's always something that you can help a customer with. And because if, if you don't know what dry hair feels like, then you're not going to know it's dry. Mm -hmm. you know. And I am supposed to know that. I'm also supposed to know what dry skin feels like because dry skin delivers, when you're shaving your face on a daily basis, dry skin is one of the number one reasons why you get the irritation you get. So if you use products that can help your skin to stay more moisturized, then most of the time you're going to avoid the dryness and the irritation of the shave. Right. And so I, I always try to deliver some nugget, something they can 
leave the shop with outside of a great haircut and a great service with something that can perfect and um, better their grooming regimen. Okay. So it's always important to discuss skin care, okay. uh, hair care. Um, and that obviously is going to, if you're looking to sell product, if you're selling product in the store, then you want to make sure that you have those products to, you know, offer for that. But it never, to me, it's never come off to me as a sale okay. um, because I give reason every single time as to why you need this product. I just don't say, oh, your hair's dry, you need this. No. Your hair is dry because I've asked you the number of questions as to why your hair is dry. For example, I have a customer that comes in. We talk about his haircut. I'm getting ready to shampoo him. I feel that his hair is dry. I bring him back up. I'm drying his hair off, and I ask him, how often do you use hair conditioner? How often are you putting a grooming cream in your hair? How often are you caring your hair, or what products are you styling your hair with? And you get all of this information, and you're saying, oh, okay, so you never condition your hair. Oh, you wash your hair four or five times a day or you're always in the pool you know all of these questions you're 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 getting answers to and so when you offer them a solution or you tell them well your hair's dry because you just said to me x y and z mm -hmm. it doesn't come off as a sale anymore right. it's a consultation that you've delivered you solve the problem you solve the problem yeah. and they now feel oh my hair is dry you know and so they leave with product because they know they need it and it's specific to a reason or a problem that they've had. It's not just, oh, you just need this and you just need that. Well, that's salesmanship for the last thousands of years. Right, exactly. You, know, you, you uncover a problem and, and, you, and you have the solution and yeah. bang, you have a sale. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's, I have to say that, you know, I would have to commend um, the opportunity of when I was in the banking business that, you know, that helped me in this business because you have to find the problems with, you know, the challenges that that particular person had in the banking field, whether it's a small business owner, and then you deliver the product that's going to help them. And that's yeah. basically what I use in hair. I'm curious, how often is there a female involved in this process? You know, there's some barbershops where women are not allowed. Yeah. They, they, dogs are allowed. Yeah, yeah, we can bring dogs all these Yeah, yeah but, dogs. But, but women are not allowed in, into the shop. Yeah. So, um, so how often are females involved in, and, and do you like that they're involved? Or do you not like that they're involved? Or that's probably... You know, I don't mind that the females involved. I don't mind it at all, but I do... So we're talking about the wife, the girlfriend, the, wife, the, the mother, girlfriend. or whatever. Yeah, okay. I don't mind that. Um, what I do mind is the guy not having any opinion at all. Um, because at the end of the day, that guy has to wake up every morning and do what that young lady's offering up. So I listen all the time and, and hear, okay, is this a compromise or is this an assignment? And so – and I – just gradually try to – I actually ask those questions in a way where he realizes, wait a second, well, no, well, I don't want it like that 100%. I like what you're saying, so I create this compromising situation. So when I deliver the service that he wants, he's happy with it. He's just not doing it because well, – how, how would you ask that kind of a question? Okay. Well, Did your girlfriend tell you to <laughs> – Yeah, well, if he's if she's there, okay. then obviously it's very obvious. But if, if he comes in with the assignment like, well, my wife likes it like this – Oh, my girlfriend likes it like this. My first question is, well, what is it that she is asking for that you like about it? Is there something in particular that she wants to see? Or is it just that she wants you to look like Brad Pitt? 
um, because you're not Brad Pitt. So <laughs> let's 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 figure this one out here, you know. And can I do go to Craig the Barber? I right. want you to look like Brad Pitt. Exactly. So yeah, you okay. know, your face, your shape, for example, may not have the face shape that Brad Pitt has to accomplish this look. So let's see if we can, you know, okay. work through this. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, and it happens all the time. It happens all the time. A lot of female input, which makes sense. You know, we want to, you know, look good for our wives, our girlfriends. Well, that, and, so, and I'm sure it. a lot of your business is built because yeah, because of that. Because yeah. you got to win over the the, the, female, the female influence, exactly. and sometimes it could be two or three female influences yep. from yep. people at work to a girlfriend to a mother mm-hmm. to whatever. Yeah, right? and I've never ever ever, I would have to say. Yep, I'm confident to say I never, ever, ever had a young lady come to me or have my client come back to me and say she didn't like it. Hmm. Because I always, I can always find a way to deliver what she wants and what he wants, right. and it always works out. And right. in, at the end of the day, you know what? He's styling his hair because he loves it, and he's styling his hair because she loves it. Hmm. And that's the he has to wear it, you All know. Right. And so he has to be happy. You know, I used to, like in my seminars, talk about how um, to be successful in this industry, 15% of your success is the technical ability. Right. And uh, you're proving me right right now because, yeah. you know, you got the technical ability, but all this other stuff of just like the the human interaction right. and, and using the right language and the yep. verbiage to be able to ask the right questions to, mm-hmm. but and then incorporate the opinions and the input from the female. Is, yeah. I mean, this is like... It's a lot. Oh, my gosh, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot. And that's... You know, I, I tell people all the time, and, you know, when I go to your schools and I talk to the students, I tell them all the time, I say, listen, you can get the technique, you can get this all down, but at the end of the day, it's about the relationship. Right. And I said, you know how I can guarantee that it's about the relationship? And they say, why? I said, because I can walk around any street and pull a random guy that has a subpar haircut and ask him, how long have you been going to that barber? Nine times out of ten, they're going to like, they'll say, Oh, I've been going to my bar for 10, 11, 15 years. But the haircut is nowhere close to being a good-looking haircut. Mm-hmm. And it proves my point all the time. It's the relationship that you build, and that guy will stay with his barber till the end, huh. getting that subpar haircut. And know why? Because he loves his barber beyond right. the service. Do you and find that huge. men are kind of tend to be more loyal anyway? Extremely loyal. Yeah. Extremely loyal. They you, know, all, you know what's really funny is, is uh, my brothers and I, we uh-huh. all use the – to this day, we all use the same deodorant that our father gave to us. Wow. Whatever our father See? said, here, use this. All of us, 30, 40, 50 years later, are still using the that same deodorant. That is so awesome. Isn't that yeah. hilarious? Yes. Because I go to their house and I'm oh, my God, we use the same <laughs> That's how we are. Not funny. We're, we're very loyal creatures. We're well, creatures of habit. And it's, it's awesome. Now, you actually... Um, you get hired on to plan everything for like a wedding day. Yeah. Where you're brought on, everybody thinks a wedding day. Well, you know, there's there are hairdressers and stylists there to take care of the women. Right. You're brought on to take care of, take care of, of the, the men or even bachelor parties, yeah. right? Can you talk about that? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I've they, never, I, again, I've never heard of that. I've never heard that. Oh, well, let's awesome. bring somebody on to take care of the men. And why not? You yeah. know, the, the young right. lady, this is his day as well. And she wants him to look great, and right. why not create an atmosphere where the guys can hang around, shoot the breeze, and you know smoke their cigars if they want, and you have a barber on staff to give you a nice shave, to get you cleaned up, because at the end of the day, the, the wife's all about the pictures. And all the guys got to look good, and why not have the freshest, neatest, cleanest haircut uh, and service for the grooms and the groomsmen. They love it. They love it, and sometimes we do it a few days before. Sometimes I do it the day of. Um, it all depends on what they want. Now, when you go, are you going by yourself, or do you have a handful of people that you can call because, hey, i got a big gig, you know, mm-hmm. come with me? Or mm-hmm. Yes, I, I have uh, had the opportunity to have 
a somewhat big gig to call it one friend of mine that I know very well. It's really good in shaving and really good in haircuts. But most of the services, I am able to handle it on my own because we we allot so much time where I create the atmosphere of just us hanging out. It's not me just out there just churning out a bunch of haircuts and like a factory type of situation. It's, right. it's enough time where we can relax Talk, drink your whiskey. Drink, drink your whiskey. Sit down. Let me take care of you next. And you know, it's it's a really fun uh, experience. And so I've never had to really call on a full team, which I am not opposed to, and which I think would be really fun if I could do some form of a team effort where we're doing something even. Craig the barber perfectionist. So uh, yes, that's a. (laughs) Yes. We'll see what happens. Uh, Yeah. So how often are you called on by these incredible magazines? I mean, these are like oh. like, like Men's Health, yeah. uh, Details, Nylon. These are great magazines. Yeah, how often awesome. are you like called on to provide tips and and articles and quite a bit, quite a bit. Um, I just finished an interview with Men's Health just today. Um, last week I did one with Esquire. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's just you know. Let's see, I get a handful a year. I can't even say what percentage, but I really get a lot of correspondence with a lot of questions recommending a product or recommending, you know, what's the new trend or how do you take care of this particular trend. So I'm I'm with them a lot. Okay. Yeah, a lot. Good for you. Thank you. And how did you make that happen? That is a great question. Because like, lately I've been telling people, you know what, quit waiting for the phone to ring. The phone does not ring. No, it doesn't. No, you have to like, it's not yeah. like you're just sitting in the, gosh, I hope Details Magazine calls me. You're probably like submitted a hundred articles before yeah. they said, well, hey, Craig, yeah. we'll use this one little tip that you provided. Yeah, squeaky wheel. Yeah. Got to be that squeaky wheel. Um, when I first started trying to determine how to get a hold of these guys, I would send emails to them. I'd look in the front of the magazine and I'll see all of their names and I'll email the editor, the Every single person, fashion, whoever could open up my email, I I, I reached them. And one day, uh, it was funny because I I was able to then, through a couple years, acquire a publicist. And I said to myself, well, I wonder if I just got a publicist, maybe this could help. And so I asked my publicist, she said, what what do you want to do? What's your vision? What do you want to do? I said, I want to get in a men's health magazine. I've been emailing them every month for the past year. And I said, and I know they get in my emails. And so she said, all right, well, let's see what we can do. She contacted them once. And you got in. Not because of her. It was because I actually think that at this point they were just so over getting these emails from me. They immediately knew who I was. They're like, oh, that's that guy. He's got a publicist. Just get him now. And I think it it helped that I did at that point have a publicist because it was just – just to kind of get to that extra. But had you not already done but all had I not the leg, done leg work, work on your own, we would have been doing she wouldn't a have whole gotten year. In well. Right. Because uh-huh. they knew exactly who I was. Oh, that's that guy that's been emailing us for right. forever. And what happened was because of that opportunity, that wasn't it. When they finally said, okay, let's give this guy a shot, they sent me an article, a question, and we need this by end of day. Right. It's always how it is. End of day. And I was like, how in the world am I going to do this? But I said, you know what? I'm going to grind this out. And they did that to me for a full eight months before they gave me an extra day leeway. <laughs> and, and, oh, we'll get, okay, tomorrow is better. And I knew that just getting in didn't mean anything. You had to then prove yourself. Mm-hmm. And you have to be prepared. You have to be equipped and ready for what you're asking for 
if what you're asking for is what you want, then you better be prepared to handle it. Isn't that funny? People want that spotlight, they but the truth of the matter is they haven't practiced. Haven't they would practiced. make a total fool of yes. themselves yeah. if men's health called and said, we want it today. Yeah. Oh, uh, okay. Oh, How do I do oh, this? Yeah. No. You, yeah. you have to be prepared. And you know, all that time that I was waiting, I was working at what they asked for. Right? <laughs> right? And so when it came, I said, oh. I know how to answer that. It took me a whole year to figure out that, that question. Right. You know, so don't ever just don't be the best phrase that my mom and dad would always tell me is delayed does not mean denied. And what that means is, yeah, men's health didn't reach out to me for a whole year, but it was just a delay, just yeah. enough for that whole year to prepare yourself. This is what's going to happen. This is how it's going to work. Prepare yourself. Just be prepared. Just be prepared. I love that advice yeah. because people think that no response means no. No, it doesn't. It didn't mean that. No. Like, did they tell you no? Nope. No, I just haven't heard from them. Right, well, then, then keep asking. Keep asking, yeah. Put it out there. Yeah. Put it out there. Dropping exactly. off your resume once at a salon yeah. is not going to get no. you your dream job. Keep coming in. Yeah. Keep coming in. They're going to get tired of you. Like, just hire this guy. This guy must he must do something really awesome. Just get him in here already. Right. You know? And that's, that's how you do it. You know, yeah. what you want, if you're passionate about it, go after it. Mm. Go after it. It'll come out. And I can even say, even even the communication that you have with me is like spot on. Yeah. You know, I mean, your emails are perfect. There's Thank no you. typos. There's, oh, you know, awesome. it's like, and people yeah. look for that kind of yeah. stuff. How yeah. How is he representing himself? Exactly. It's very important. You know, yeah. you only get one opportunity to give someone your best. And, you know, first impressions are huge. So let me switch gears here. You've been sure. kind of uh, really passionate about volunteering, and that's yes. what you're doing, going into beauty schools and, mm -hmm. and sharing your... Why, why are you doing that? What's the passion behind that? You know what? It wasn't really um, something... I, I've always had a passion of sharing and teaching and educating, mm -hmm. but it really didn't hit me until my son was born, because it was just my wife and I at the time, and you don't really know you're getting old, right, until, at least in my, my life, until I have something to actually gauge that you're getting older. And when my son turned a year old, I was like, wow, he's a year older. And I thought to myself, wait a second, he's a year older, so now I'm a year older. And so it just started really having an effect on me on realizing that, you know, there's so many things that I've been able to learn, so many things that I've been able to accomplish. But when I go, if I don't share it, it's gone. You know, and so why not give it to someone else? Why not give someone the tools that they just need that sometimes a person just needs that one thing that you need to tell them for them to just get it, hmm. you know, but how are you going to know that unless you're sharing it, you know? Hmm. And so I figured I know exactly where I was when I was at the Veda Institute, when I was at that barber school, when I was sitting there and I was looking at presenters or I was looking at, you know, these barbers instructors and I'd look at them and I, I know what I was, I remember thinking like, Hey, you know, how am I even going to do this? How is this going to work? Or, what do I need to do? What's my next step? You know, or I don't want to make the many mistakes. You know, I left a career. I didn't have room to make a lot of mistakes. So I needed to make sure that everything I did was very deliberate and very thought out. And so why not offer that to a student in the same breath? I mean, they might not be mentally prepared to hear what I'm hearing, but it's a seed. Yeah. And it's going to stay in them until they that light bulb hits them up the head and say, and they're like, oh, I remember Craig the Barber said it to me 10 years ago. I get it now, you know. But you, they're not going to know that unless you, someone is out there that's willing to share. Right. And I think that's key. And that's key in making sure that you leave not only a long-lasting impression on people, but 
on the, also in the industry, but how else is the industry going to grow if you don't have people helping it to grow? Yeah, and those of you who are listening to this, you know, this has been a good career for you. You've been doing this for a year, 10 years, 50 years, and it's been yep. a great career for you. Yep. You're probably thinking, well, gosh, if the local beauty school called me, sure, I'd go in. Absolutely. But they're not going to call. You no. didn't call me. Nope. I mean, I didn't call you. You called me. Yeah, I sent an email right you, you, to you. You said, when? I want to get into your school. Yep. And, I, and I love that. Thank you. You know who else does that all the time? Yosh. Oh, really? I mean, how famous is that man? Wow. You know, 50-year career. All he wants to do is fishing and teach in beauty schools. That's awesome. And, he, and wow. he's been doing that in my schools for 15 years. No way. Still to this day. Wow. Calls and said, I'm going to be in this area. Can I come and teach in your school? Love uh, it. Duh. Yeah. Love it. Of course. Why not? Yeah. Why not? I mean, it's so important to... You know, sometimes you get down and out and you're a student and you're just like, I don't know if this is something I want to do. And all it takes is just that one person to come in there and just give that inspiring word. And they're like, then it just helps you go on just for another month, another two months. Yeah. And that's all you need is just yeah. that, little, that spark, you know, to remind you why you chose the career path you chose. Yeah, I was, I was teaching last night at a beauty school. Right. And, you know, I mean, those students are there two years. Yeah. They're two years. Two and, years. And, 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 they're, and they're working during the day or they're with kids. You know, there yep. are kids during the day. And mm -hmm. so it's like, gosh. Yeah. You know? Toiling. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they, they have they, to they get they that need spark. that, man. They need it. So important. So important. Yeah. Their, their learning leaders could be Yosh. Yeah. On a nightly basis. But exactly. they still need somebody to come in on a regular basis and say, you guys, this is the right decision. This is the right decision. You know, You're doing the right thing. Stay the course. Yeah. 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 And it's, it's huge for that. It's Congratulations. For that. Thank Thanks you. for doing that. Oh, my that's pleasure. A great, it's my a great pleasure. example and it's a great message to send out. I love it. I love so, it. um, so you know, we were talking about branding. Mm -hmm. Does your wife call you Craig the Barber, by the way? Ah, so Craig the Barber. You know, change <laughs> Craig that the diaper. Barber. Yeah, get, get your kid. I'm tired. <laughs> Craig the Barber. You know, um, so, you know, just talk about branding because I sure. think that you know, people think, well, if I start my own salon or my own product line, then I need to brand myself. No, right. you don't. No. No, Everybody needs to brand themselves. Like I see like um, there was a, a kid in school last night, and there he is. You know, he's in a, in a suit and tie and everything's like, nice. and, I, and I asked him, I purposely asked him, I said, did you dress up because I'm here tonight? He's like, no. And, and other kids around, no, he dresses like this every night. There you go. I'm like, like why are you doing this? Well, because I want to be known. Like, like that's his brand. Yep. He's in beauty school dressing yeah. in a suit and tie, you yeah. know? And, you know, it's, it's so important. You know, when I, uh, I give you a great example as to why I think it's very important to start establishing your brand and start establishing why you're different who you are and knowing who you are. I remember going to a job interview when I just came out of college and I saw this well-dressed guy standing. I didn't know who he was representing at this job fair. I went up to him and I said, you know, hi, my name is Craig, blah, 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 blah. And he moved to the side and I noticed that it said FBI. I'm like, oh, okay. I said, you know what? That's really awesome. Can I uh, get some more information? Blah, 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 blah. And then we we're talking about rankings and he told me, well, I'm in such and such rank. Basically, he's only been there six months. And so I just noticed that he was just so much better dressed than everybody else around him. And then he looked at me and I said to him, I said, you know, is there any particular reason why you're looking? I don't know why, how I phrased the question, but he looked at me and he says, you dress for the job you want, not for the job you have. Yeah. And I took that to heart to mean so much bigger than anything else. You don't prepare yourself for anything when it comes. You prepare yourself for it years before. And the same way when we're talking about branding, you know, if you have this vision of being this great hairstylist, this great barber, this great banker, this great whoever it is, you start preparing yourself now. Who do you want to be? Why do you want to be it? Be genuine. Be honest about yourself and then work it and shape it the way you want it. If that gentleman was 
looking sharp, and that's the way he dresses from the get-go when he's in school, then he's creating an identity. He has a purpose to have a certain look, and that's his vision of how he wants to be perceived. And I think that's important. And I think building a brand and knowing what that brand is and then creating an identity in that brand should be done now Hmm. and not when you get that big phone call and saying, oh, so what do we call you? That should already be established, right. you know. And hey, it could just be Craig, or it could just be John, whatever it may be. But know what it is, you know, and know who you are, and know what you're trying to deliver, right? You know, and that's huge. A lot of the interviews that I do with this, and people are saying that they're never off duty, so to speak. Right. I mean, I, I understand the casualness of our industry. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I understand the freedom of our industry that. I can show up in shorts and flip-flops, and mm-hmm. I can still have a full clientele. But I just wish our industry maybe took itself a little bit more seriously, yeah. you know, and, and, and did too. step it up a little yeah. bit, you know. I mean, you dress up better to go out Saturday night than you dress up for your, your guests. For your clients, yeah. And I just, I, I, I just wish we, you know, could could uh, have a little bit more pride in appearance. Right. And, yeah. I agree. And, you know, I say that a lot to a lot of my barber students and to barbers that I just personally know. I say, hey, you know. You know, it, just going that extra mile, uh, you'd be surprised in many ways how that helps you. You know, when if we, you start showing that you take great pride in your work, then the customer base often changes as well. And you will realize that you might have an opportunity to not be so ashamed to increase your price point, you know, because you look like you're a standard. You look like you're setting a standard. And so everything else comes with it. Um, and I don't think a lot of people realize that because I think a lot of people in this business sometimes don't look at it as a career. Mm-hmm. They look at it as something that they're just doing until something else. Right. And the moment they decide this is my career, this is my job, is the moment they're they, they're more open mm-hmm. to creating this vision of who they are and how they should represent themselves. And then the clients follow suit. You know, you'll see the clients falling off and different clients coming in and fitting who. You are. It's kind you know? of like the version of the advice that you got from the FBI guy. You yeah. Know, you, you dress as though you're already making that amount yes. of money. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That's, yeah, people that's people don't want to give money to people who look like they don't have no, a lot of money. They don't. Exactly. <laughs> Ex- yeah. Uh, you're right. Because then they're, they're conscious of, well, what is he going to do with the money I'm giving him? Exactly. You know? If I get oh, a $10 tip, you never had one of these. Yeah. Before. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you look like you that's never huge. had one. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. huge. That's huge. You yeah. command that. Okay, so so I have to ask the question. Sure. A final message for our listeners. Yeah, I I actually do. Um, you know, transitioning into um, the career that I am currently in now, it took a lot of guts. It took a lot of um, fearlessness, and it took a lot, a tremendous amount of support. And the, at the end of the day, if I look back at what it took me to finally get to this place. The bottom line is two things. One, who cares what they think? You know, who cares what they think? You have to be happy for you. No one else is going to be happy for you. So what you do is you find what you love to do and you do it. You don't worry about what other people think and don't make what other people's opinions are shape you because that limits you so much. And... You know, and at the end of the day, do that with such passion and focus and do that in knowing what you want. 
out of the whole thing. Because at the end of the day, when you're laying down 80 years old, talking to your grandkids and you want to inspire them or whoever it may be, you want to be able to look back at your life and say, you know what, I did it my way and I was happy all the way through it. And no one forced me into a position to shape or change who they wanted me to be. Hmm. Because you have to be happy. Hmm. So bottom line is be happy, be passionate, and just go for it. Because hmm. it doesn't matter what they think. Hmm. That's perfect. Thanks, Thank Greg. Very, oh, thanks, thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. Mm-hmm.